So I would say about 50% of my friends and family now know three things about football. Messi is good, Ronaldo is good, and Emmy Martinez is a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Hello, hello, hello. Merry, Merry Christmas, everyone. We are back. We're back. And I just wanted to jump on here and do a very quick follow-up on Aston Villa's win over Brighton. Come on. <laughs> on November 13th, 2-1, two Danny Ings goals. We came from behind, Liam. We came from... <laughs> we came from behind. And here I am, seven weeks later, still basking in the glory of it. Although I am sort of basking in the thrill of that World Cup final as well. I mean, football is just fucking brilliant sometimes, isn't it? Like, I, I, I saw a lot of people tweeting it, and they're so right, you know, imagine not liking football. Like, imagine how sad your life would be if you weren't just sitting down engaged by that. Like, it was a sort of game where I could call my girlfriend and, get, like, watch this goal. Like, she'd wonder why the hell I'm screaming. I also had France on a sweepstake as well. Sorry for that, Demi Martinez, but I was delighted for so many reasons that Mbappe put that, like, what a fucking finish. That's why I was delighted. Game on. That's why I was delighted. Money back on the cards as well. That's why I was delighted. And now girlfriend sitting back down with me to watch this momentous occasion. Penalty kicks start, and she goes out and starts making dinner. <laughs> Wavy has to be wired for that. Like I just don't, I don't hold it against her. We had a lovely dinner then as well. Like it was all coming up trumps for me on Saturday, Sunday. But like, oh my god, I just can't get my head around somebody who wouldn't be just on the edge of their seat. I felt breathless after that. I was actually fucking wrecked, and all I was doing was sitting on the sofa. Maybe she just didn't want to be sitting next to somebody who was panting while sitting on the sofa. <laughs> it, it, it really was incredible, and it absolutely vindicated FIFA, Platini and Macron's decision to get into bed with the Qataris. A metaphorical bed, of course, Connor. I don't want anyone to get in trouble. It was a, it was a spectacular final 40 or 50 minutes. I mean, the, the first 80 minutes weren't good. The most the most interesting thing about it was that it, it shows you what can actually be achieved if you fucking run your bollocks off. And say if you were, I don't know, an Aston Villa fan from Ireland, it was pretty inspiring. But... <laughs> The best thing about the first 80 minutes was that they set up the final 10 minutes and extra time. I mean, the scoreline, the contrast and the performances, the swing and momentum. I mean, watching a game of football is so often a practice in watching a psychological experiment. <laughs> and when I was watching that game, I was in no doubt that Argentina just needed to get in at full time. Even a 2-1 up, if I was Scaloni, I would, be, I would have accepted a 2-all draw. And just get them back in and have a word with them. I mean, their heads were completely gone. France's backs were up and everyone forgot about the previous 80 minutes and the absolute domination that Argentina had. Yeah. It's so interesting. And then when extra time started, Argentina were back dominating until Montiel decided to celebrate a bit too early by doing the fucking chicken dance in his box. <laughs> but isn't it interesting from that point of view as well, where it's like, you're, you're right, the game wasn't really interesting for the first 80 minutes not at all. like France didn't get a shot or a corner or anything I noticed because somebody was texting me in fury because he had one of those shit bets like you know France to get whatever amount of corners and whatever amount of shots <laughs> and, and he knew that everything was zero so he got nothing like that up but 
but that you can rescue a game and not only that you can elevate the game to be one of the greatest you've ever seen with just 40 minutes as you say of flat out balls to the wall uh, like bringing everything into it then like you know throwing everything into the melting pot the nerves the the, the skill required to the, the ability to hold your nerve under all that pressure as well like and and to get that drama out of what was in, in a sense 40 minutes like argentina played well but it wasn't interesting by any means but all you needed then was a final 10 minute france come back argentina get away again france come back and if you think about even like what what happened then in the last i don't know last 30 seconds maybe i know this because i went to t- tweet about Hugo Lloris, and we'll come back to this guy later. But <laughs> I, I went to tweet about him because he did something fucking crazy. And again, I've got a vested interest. He got money on the line from a work sweepstick. And he come, <laughs> like, I think he's afraid to come out of his box. I think he thinks like you're playing in the school playground. Like he thinks outside his box is lava. So <laughs> even if he's got 10 seconds on everybody else, he won't come out. He'll just stand on his line and watch everybody, watch the Calvary arrive into his box and he's standing underneath his post. But um, he didn't come out. I was tweeting, going, what the fuck is this boy up to? But by the time I was getting that tweet out, Emmy Martinez was making one of the greatest saves I've ever seen in my life. And we'll come back to Emmy Martinez as well. But that was overtime already. And even if I went to tweet about that, they were back down the other end and Lataro Martinez was missing the biggest fucking sitter <laughs> he's ever going to get to become a hero. Like, you forget about it. Like, you're never going to get a better chance for immortality. Like, he should just stop playing football now because it's never going to be presented to him like it was there. Yeah, and what a statement that is. He's missing the biggest chance he'll ever miss because he's going to miss plenty <laughs> of all our fucking chances throughout his career. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? We need to get back to more important things because we missed... A lot of stuff as well, where we've been away since November 13th or 14th, whenever the podcast went. Probably the 13th, it's usually that night. Um, so things we missed from an Aston Villa point of view while we were away. We'll come back to some World Cup stuff as well, so don't just tune out just yet. <laughs> <laughs> first things first, John McGinn has a shaved head and I fucking like it. Wow. I, I, I like it. Like, this is like... Whatever about it looks way better and it does look way better. And he says the meatball is back. Maybe that's where the nickname comes from. I don't know. Maybe he does look like a bit of a meatball now that it's... I don't think, I don't think that's why he's called meatball, is it? I don't think he looks like a meatball. Conan, uh, how, how long were we off? I mean, this is this is probably our longest break since we started this, including including summers. <laughs> and we're straight back in, in our football podcast with what you thought was going to be a cute conversation about John McGinn's hairstyle, but it's turned out to be just me calling you a cunt. <laughs> John McGinn. John you, McGinn. Dra- you didn't drag me into this podcast and her talking about John McGinn's fucking hair. John McGinn's gone through a hard time. Everybody's been questioning him. We're wondering, does he really have the medal? Talking there about players being able to deal with the pressure. John McGinn's just shaved it all off like he's ready to be launched into space. He hasn't and shaved he's... off. They shaved his head and nobody cares. <laughs> he's fucking ready to go now. John McGinn is a statement of intent if you're like me. Like, that is what John McGinn has said. He's saying to me, people like me, I am ready to fucking go. Forget about everything that went before. Look at me now. Do you remember whenever that uh, pundit asked Roy Keane if he had... Uh grew his beard whenever he was feeling under pressure he said no I grow my beard whenever I don't shave my face (laughs) okay okay I don't know if you like the second one (laughs) (laughs) you and I Emery rocks up in shorts in Dubai Jesus Christ (laughs) 
We've seen I'm so sorry. No, I don't even have the heart to go through it all. We've we've seen this man in a suit. We've seen this man in tracksuit bottoms. We've seen him in a coat. Now I really fucking like him in the shorts as well and a polo shirt. He can rock everything. He is my manager. You're, put, you're pushing ahead with us, are you? I mean, th- this new segment, Unai Emery. Like, Unai, Unai Emery is from the Basque country. I mean, what's the headline for this segment? Man from slightly warmer County Kerry strips down to his shorts when he's in the fucking desert. <laughs> This isn't this isn't worth talking about, even if it wasn't a football podcast. <laughs> it's things we missed. It's it's things like you know uh, we missed it. We we didn't <laughs> we didn't see it. Like, we, we, yeah, we didn't see it, but we missed it. <laughs> well, you know, we didn't miss. We like, we weren't watching the training that often. We weren't uh, seeing many games, and we were treated by the Daily Mail. Then, like, if you thought you were missing people reporting on your football team definitely wasn't missing this. The Daily Mail reacted to Aston Villa's loss to Villarreal and the headline was the worst possible preparation for the Liverpool game. And I, yeah. I went into it. I fucking went into it like a mug. Maybe I should respect them. I thought, oh my God, like, you know, who's injured? And they lost to Villarreal on a friendly. That was the, that was the worst possible preparation. I mean, yeah, look, you need to, you need to fill pages or the airwaves somehow. I mean, that might be through speculating about what factor sunscreen Unai Emery was wearing to protect his exposed calves and shins. Or it might be about speculating about the undoubted mutiny in full swing in the Aston Villa dressing room after Unai Emery was humiliated by his former club. We, we all know the actual only story to come out of this, and it is a significant one. I mean, the article writes itself, really. The biggest story is that we played for 45 minutes with Robin Olsen in goals, and we didn't conceive. <laughs> Yeah, well, I needed to drag out the John McGinn and Unai Emery chat because uh, as it transpired over the days and there wasn't much crack we could really have with the Douglas Louise picture walking around with a lion, was there? Like, a, I think we all initially saw it and thought, wow, that's actually a bit of a cool photo. Um, and of all the people, of course, it's Douglas Louise walking around with a lion in front of him. And then I think the animal rights uh, activists pointed out that maybe this is a bit problematic so um, I thought we might not be able to have as much fun with that one <laughs> so I'm going to throw that one over to you Liam yeah it's hard to tell was the was the image of Douglas Louise walking around with a lion and missing out and having the prepared tagline oh. underneath it was that was that was that worth the inhumane treatment and drugging of an animal it's hard to tell really <laughs> Yeah, well, if yeah, well, we'll never know because he didn't. He didn't tweet it that way either. He just tweeted the word Simba. Although, yeah, look, I, I can't condone this, can I? Maybe we should just move on to WhatsApp wins. We'll see after the hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What better way to celebrate Christmas than an old dose of WhatsApp when you say? Shout out to Newcastle assistant manager, Jason Tindall, Drew Walsh sent us this one now. Jesus Christ, like they, they were playing Bournemouth in a, in a League Cup game. Do you notice the way I stopped there after I said Bournemouth? Because I had to just check to see if I did say it right. I don't even know what the score was in this game. I couldn't believe that this game was on two days after the World Cup final. I assume they went one because I saw their usual changing room picture. Um, But there he is. There he is again, front and centre, Jason Tindall. Look, we're probably going to have more opportunities to talk about this man. Um, He's going to prop up. He's going to get himself in front of Peretti Howe as he goes along and as Newcastle continues to win. So uh, we'll maybe save that for later on in the year. Oh, it'll be an absolute cracker as well whenever we bring it back up, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the first WhatsApp wins. The social media coverage on the Aston Villa account of Jan Bednarek's World Cup... (laughs) Is worse than the updates we were getting of Lovre Kalinic <laughs> at the Euros. Like, is that too harsh? Of course, it's too harsh. Like, yeah, better play. plays for Aston Villa. He's been loaned in. Kalinic was loaned out. Like, can you tell me who Kalinic was loaned out with? Like, I'm going to guess it was Hadjik Spit. But what am I basing that on, really, other than the fact that Kalinic is shit? <laughs> that's a good point I was going to criticise him for being loaned in I was like who cares he's not going to be here in a few months but, but he is he's... here <laughs> but, but he's not really at Poland either he's just he's there but he's not there like every time <sighs> every time they were tweeting a picture you know good luck to the boys I was swimming in like who's that who's... oh yeah like that, that that famous line of yours that went oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah Jan Bednarek is at Villa Oh uh, yeah, yeah, Benrek is out with Poland. But but is he really? Is he really in Villa? Is he really with Poland? Do we really need to wish him good luck? Ah uh, yeah. <laughs> uh the second WhatsApp one. Why don't Ireland just do what Morocco did? Uh. <laughs> is that like that must be the worst thing that you've seen during the World Cup? I mean, it's bad enough trying to just Get by and, and be an Ireland supporter most days, but um, <laughs> Jesus, people using Morocco to, to say there, there you go. Look, why don't we do that? Why, why is why is Stephen Kenny trying to play some football? Just, just do what Morocco. Do. Yeah, yeah, just go and get five Champions League players there. Just, just go and find another player who's definitely going to be playing Champions League next year as well. You know, get get a Premier League player, a few Serie A players, throw them all in, and then we won't have to argue about whether or not Callum Mudouda can play wing back. <laughs> I mean, it's not the same. No, it's not the same. But Morocco and Argentina, particularly how both played against France, how they played now, of course, are the, are the templates for teams like Ireland and Aston Villa. But that doesn't mean Ireland should get to the World Cup semi-finals, even if they were. <laughs> it doesn't even mean doesn't even mean we'll qualify. I mean, it, it means we'll maximize what we have. It means that when we do get a favorable draw, we'll give ourselves the best chance possible. 
Serbia and Portugal are bloody good teams. Netherlands and France are bloody good teams and we're dreadful. And sometimes we're going to end up in a group with Netherlands and France and the best you can probably hope for is an honourable failure. But we also could have ended up with Hungary and Wales. So we have to be ready for that. And this is the real thing. It's just people are pissed off, rightly so, with Stephen Kenny. And they're, but they're then, they're misdirecting that into expectation of qualifying. And I think... I think I've said this to you before. I'm delighted that Stephen Kenny has convinced the Irish players that they can pass the ball to each other. <laughs> How grim is that? <laughs> the the next step is to make sure we're doing it with a fucking purpose. I mean, we don't we don't have enough quality. We don't have any quality really, but we certainly don't have enough quality to wait for opportunities to appear and then kill the opposition. We don't have the quality to hold possession high enough up the pitch and to do that to then find passes eventually. We don't have enough quality to find the passes anyway. I mean, it needs to be an Irish-based possession game. Possession with purpose. I mean, it's it's the balance between finding a teammate and being direct. Because when you ask Jack, Josh Cullen, for example, to keep possession, he's not popping it in between the lines to fucking Jason Knight. He's going <laughs> back to Egan every time. But demanding, demanding qualification while during the same conversation arguing about whether or not it should be Troy Parrott or Chidozi of Benny up front that's fucking daft like, we, we shouldn't qualify for World Cups because we're not and should probably never be in the top 13 European teams like we've had we've got too many competing sports for a start for the size of the country mm. and when you think about the three times we did qualify we had incredible squads for Ireland and the weakest one was actually probably in 2002. But even when you think about that one, we had one of the best goalkeepers in the league. We had fullbacks from Leeds, Liverpool and Spurs all competing with each other. We had Steve Staunton playing out of his skin with a Premier League partner beside him. We had a few mid-table workhorses like Holland, Kinsel and Kilban. And then we had three of our best ever players yeah. in Roy Keane, Robbie Keane and Damien Duff. Callum Odoida ain't Damien, Odo- ain't Damien Duff. <laughs> Yeah, this is depressing me a wee bit now, to be honest. Um, I'll say one more thing on it, and then I want you to. You brought it up. Yeah, it's going to ruin me Christmas now that I did. <laughs> um, because I, I'm also thinking, like, I think the best. I, I, I couldn't think what the best scenario was. Uh, you know, Ireland playing France in March. <laughs> like, Jesus, choose your poison. Like, what, what's going to be the best way of playing France in March? <laughs> I, I sort of comforted myself with like France winning a second World Cup. Load of retirements, people pissed, partying, not getting back together. Deschamps maybe retires. Now they're just going to come bouncing into this game and wipe the floor with our. Like they probably would have wiped the floor with them anyway. But it's uh, very good that you do talk in at length there about the possession, the quality, because that's also the thing that's annoyed me a bit about the. Why don't Ireland just do what Morocco did? Because Morocco were really well set up defensively. People just thought it was as simple as that. Morocco were so good because they were so good on the ball and they were so good defensively because they were able to keep the ball and push teams back and and hurt them and open them up and, and then worry them then before they come forward again a second time because they realize how good Morocco could go. They also don't have nowhere near the population. Like Morocco has 37 million people in the country. That's not an excuse for Ireland not to be better, but it's just the reality of like comparing what plucky Morocco did and what Ireland aren't doing at the minute. Yeah, like, like Ireland are dreadful and, and I really think that's the key that's the next thing that Stephen Kenny has to do and he has to do it because we're getting bad results or we're not getting good enough results against shit teams and we're fucking turgid to watch so he has to develop a style of play that is more like an old Ireland team but 
<laughs> passing the ball to each other. We have to get people popping the ball or at least drilling the ball in between the lines or drilling it out to the wings. It has to be a lot more direct while keeping the ball. Yeah. I, I think only us could do a World Cup review podcast. Or... <laughs> I'm bringing up a team that hasn't a fucking hope of qualifying for the next two major tournaments. So should we go back to John McGinn's shaved head? <laughs> Stay in our wheelhouse. Um, yeah, third WhatsApp wins. Michael Beale's very loyal, isn't he? <laughs> or, or sorry, Mick Beale. I forgot he changed his name now. Um, yeah, he's he's off. He's off the Rangers after giving it the beginning about the the Wolves job. Don't need to labour this too much, but he did say he was staying a QPR out of loyalty, and he was looking to get them promoted. It's a weird move, really. Like it's obviously he's going to go up there. He was there before. Oh, even that's weird that he was there before and now he's going back as the main man like, just to try and do what he already did before as the second. Like It's not like they went up there as a second choice coach and didn't win anything and now he thinks he can win something. He's just trying to recreate what he did with Gerrard. Um, if he does well, then he could get offered a job like the Wolves job. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand it really. It, 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 that is the strangest thing. You've hit, you absolutely hit the nail on the head. They're the strangest thing is he's taking this job to come back to mid team, mid tier Premier League team because he's not getting a bigger job than Wolves on the back of doing well for Rangers. Nobody's going from Rangers to Liverpool. Yeah. Um. The last WhatsApp winge is and I have a lot of affinity for him and he had a great tournament. But where the fuck is Matt Cash hiding these top corner efforts from Soccer Saturday? I don't. I don't even think I sent you on this clip. But Matt Cash, just whipping them into the top bins, like literally top bins. They have bins in the top corner in Soccer Saturday. <laughs> and every time, three times in a row, just bang, 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 curled it in the top corner. Every time he shoots a villa, he just fucking hacks it. He absolutely hacks it and he pulls it most of the time. Sometimes he hits it on the sweet spot and flies. That bad boy flies, but he's usually just pulling it badly. Um, but here he was, in step, whipping it around. Maybe we need to think of playing Matt Cash off the left, coming inside. <laughs> instead of just finding himself over there after taking a short throw in <laughs> uh, this, is, this is how we spent the top of the show Conan, shouting on about the psychology of football of course he's whipping it into the top bins on fucking soccer Saturday he's a professional footballer they're all brilliant none of them should ever miss a penalty kick but they do <laughs> yeah yeah that's fair we're going to leave that there and we'll come back with um, some awards maybe some awards or maybe just Demi Martin as award we'll get to that anyway <laughs> I, I burst onto the scene didn't I and I was going to be the next best thing oh who who was it that said there was an interview somebody recently and they said that he's always positive. It was Mika Richards. Hold on, I played for England at 18. Youngest ever defender to play for England. It was Mika Richards. He was talking on Sky Sports and he said he's always positive. Sometimes you wish he wasn't as positive. Like he almost he said he was too nice. Right. What do you think, lad? I think Mika Richards should shut the fuck up. <laughs> What the fuck has Mika Richards ever done for Aston Villa? <laughs> Dean, Dean Smith got Aston Villa promoted from 14th in the championship. 
Mika Richards was just there collecting 40 grand a week while that was all happening. <laughs> oh, he's just brilliant. He's just top. What a guy to work with you are, honestly. All right. Let's enjoy ourselves. The Emmy Martinez is Ronaldo not hitting its shithousery award. <laughs> I mean, we probably could have renamed this four different times throughout this tournament. Uh, Emmy Martinez, the referee, was useless shithousery award. Emmy Martinez, I think he needs to keep his mouth shut shithousery award. Uh, remember after the Netherlands game, he just had a drive-by on poor Louis van Gaal. Imagine Louis van Gaal, the career he's had, the the, affinity, like the, the, the love that he has from so many fans. And Emmy Martinez is signing off his career with, I think he should keep his mouth shut. I'm <laughs> walking past him, giving it the, the moving gesture and pointing his finger at him. Anyway, like, it obviously culminates in the World Cup final. And like you know, you know when it's coming to penalty shootouts, like you know Emmy Martinez is going to win the win the tournament for Argentina. Like I actually had a bet, even though I had France in the sweepstake, I had a bet that would have got me smaller money, but um Argentina to win on penalties. So that came through eight to one. But also I knew, I thought it would be a draw and I, I knew once it was a draw Emmy Martinez would win. And that's what happened. Like it's not all the rules that you know about penalty kicks, like we're saying that you should score it's not. It's not. It's not a normal penalty kick anymore. It's not. It's different. Like in the those nets, they close in. The fans forget about them. It's you and Emmy. It's, it's it's you and some man who wants to eat you. It's you and some man that you so desperately want to shut the fuck up, and that just makes him win all the time. Like this is the thing. Like we can go through some of the stuff he did. He did. Like you know. Killing Mbappe, like you have to give him respect. He scored three penalties past him, and not only that, he buried all three of them in the same place, like hard, low, curling away from him as well. Martinez got close twice, and they both just curled away from him. And but then once Kingsley Coleman comes up and he's giving him the eyeballs, he's pointing at his eyeballs, he's pointing at Kingsley Coleman, and he turns around and starts celebrating to the crowd. And you sort of knew, you knew then, like he was going to save that penalty, like it was. It was lousy on Coleman, but it was also like it was also brilliant. It's like here we go, everybody get excited. I'm about to fucking save this mugs penalty, and he does, <laughs> and he does. And then poor too many comes up and he, he actually goes and retrieves the ball. Emmy Martinez throws the ball away, and too many goes and retrieves it. But this is the thing: you're so helpless because any way you react, now, like it's all in his terms, and I don't know how you get it out of his terms. Anyway, you react, it's a win for him. Like you, you are reacting, and now you're taking away from just sitting the ball down, taking a breath, like what Messi did, and and scoring, like getting yourself a, b- a bit of composure before you hit it. Maybe that's the trick to just to take your time before you do hit it. But too many then laughing, trying to pretend like he doesn't care, but he has to go over and get the ball. And by the time he comes back over, Martinez is trying to get at him, being held back by the referee. <laughs> referee, he was brilliant, by the way. Um, and Martin eventually gets the yellow card. There's enough time; it's gone by now. Two men, he's completely scrambled, drags it wide, a mad cash shot, you might say. Um, <laughs> like we we can start there, I suppose, with the penalties, and then we can come on to other things. But I just don't know what you do because whatever way you react to this man, you're reacting, and it's it's hard to ignore him. Yeah, well, well you, what you do is you do what Mbappe did. You ha- develop the technique and psychological edge of one of the greatest players of. Who will, who will become one of the greatest players of all time. That's yeah. the only way to beat this man. And to beat him three times is incredible because those penalties were fucking good. I mean, if you're putting them past Martinez when he's guessing the right way, it has to be a fucking spot-on penalty, and they were. And much like his finish that Martinez gets a hand to, 
there's no way any goalkeeper's keeping that out because it's just hit too sweetly and with too much power on and on the ground as well. Look, I I really really enjoyed introducing my circle of friends to Emmy Martinez, and this is <laughs> this is the glorious thing about the World Cup. It reaches way beyond football fans. So I would say about fifty percent of my friends and family now know three things about football: Messi is good, Ronaldo is good, and Emmy Martinez is a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> and just just filling them in on the details of your, like, you know, the, is Ronaldo not hitting it? I'm going to eat you. Get the stretcher on me. Hammy's yeah. gone. You know, it's incredible. But one thing he left out there was the the reverse shithousery as well with his own teammates. Like that's that's something that's been massively overlooked. Telling his teammates to relax, he'll save a few penalties. <laughs> and they know he's right as well. And like yeah. you were just talking about there, France knew it as well. <laughs> that was the, that was the, big, the big, big problem yeah. for them. And as much as I was shouting on about the love of psychology and football, the goalkeeping ability for Martinez during this tournament was ridiculous as well. Wow. Like the, the save from the second Dutch penalty was out of this world. He guessed down the middle and then saved it anyway. Uh, and, oh, like the reactions and the agility to get that far over, unbelievable. Yeah, and, and the fact that he guessed down the middle as well twice during that shootout was brilliant. Yeah. Well, how many times have I called for that? Just stand up sometimes because a lot of fucking penalties go down the middle. But you, you contrast what Martinez did for Muani's chance, You know how big he made himself and crucially, how he retained the ability to react to the shot as well. So he's not just hoping the ball hits him. Or even a save from from that Australian lad who signed for Saudi Arabia. Um Qual, is it? Anyway, yeah. you, you know the save I'm talking about. Yeah. Like by the time by the time Qual gets turned, and he wasn't slow in turning either, but by the time he gets turned, Martinez is literally within eating distance. And <laughs> you, you contrast those two saves with with what Loris with Loris just patiently waiting for Di Maria to get on McAllister slightly over a hit pass and then diving away from his goals and protecting them with only his fucking shins, which he keeps on the ground as well, throwing down the gauntlet to Di Maria. Can you lift the ball eight inches off the ground? And he fucking couldn't either. Di Maria scored a goal in the World Cup final by scuffing one into the ground just because Hugo Loris dived out of the fucking way. Good point. Like this is, I I wanted to ask this question, not really on the podcast, because I want to sound like a mug, and I didn't want to, <laughs> didn't want to take away from an amazing goal. But like, you know, we're here now. Let's fucking do. <laughs> Di Maria didn't mean that. He didn't mean to lift it over the keeper. If if Di Maria hit that ball where he wanted, it's a save. He he tried to keep it low. He just thought, get over this ball, keep it on target. And if he did that. Fucking Larice would have saved it. He hit it into the ground and it went over. And people will say, "Well, everyone's told to keep it down." Yeah, they are told to keep it down. But if he kept it down there, it was saved. This time he got a bit of luck and he bounced over the keeper. He didn't mean to do that. Yeah, and goalkeepers are told to keep yourself big as well. I mean, Larice couldn't have made himself any smaller. I mean, literally drive, diving past his near post, like protecting the goal with his shins. What is this lad at? <laughs> The Messi penalty as well. Like everybody enjoyed it because it was cool from Messi and the way he rolled it in. This is the one in, in the shootout. If you look at the freeze frame, Luis is waiting on Messi. Like he's actually waiting this time, and it, it, it doesn't even get done. It's like he gets done in his head, and then he can't. He, he's sort of waiting to go left, and Messi. I don't want to say Messi puts it to Messi's left. He doesn't really. He sort of hits it down the middle, <laughs> and Luis can't can't react you know he looks like an old man looks like me you know you're trying to play football and you just start giving up like ah these boys are just 
it's just easier for them. They're faster. They can turn easier. Like, Larice <laughs> just like, oh. <laughs> message just rolled it. It's like, fucking react. Just like walk over to it, as you would say. We just talked about it in the last podcast. Walk <laughs> over and pick up the ball. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, uh, Yeah, I, I don't know what he was playing at. Yeah, we don't have to stop at Messi's either. I mean, Messi's penalty wasn't good. Lloris does Lloris does well actually to stay standing, and he actually wins the mind games of Messi by by hopping to the left to force Messi to go to the other side. I mean, he's taking a risk because if Messi puts it in the corner, he can't get there. But with Messi's run up and his standing start now, essentially, he can't put it in yeah. the corner, and it's so far from the post and so slow. And remember, Lloris is still standing up. I mean, <laughs> and, he, and he's purportedly a goalkeeper as well. And it was his decision for Messi to put it to that side. Yeah. He knows where Messi's going to go now and he can't make it back across. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It actually is, though. It, 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 well, Lloris has stumbled so other people can maybe walk in the future. But like, it's a good strategy, I'd say, for these type of penalties, the like of Messi, the like of Jorginho, who are waiting for the keeper to make their move and they're cool enough. And, like, if they do want to hit that side net, they, they need to pull it. And if Larice is standing up and trying to ward off that, but also gambling on the other side, and then he's making Messi, like you say, go to the other way. Messi can't get it that tight to the corner. The only way he could is if he's drilling it with the instep across his body, but he can't do that anymore because Larice is sort of guessing there while still giving himself the out. So maybe a better keeper than Larice will now take Larice's strategy and use that going forward. Yeah, the one thing we absolutely are certain of during this World Cup, I mean, I, I'm not sure Argentina are the best team. Sorry, I know Argentina aren't the best team in the world. But one thing we all can be definitely sure of, apart from the fact that Messi and Ronaldo are good at football and have been, had amazing careers, and Emmy Martinez is a cunt, Hugo Lloris is one of the worst goalkeepers that has ever played the fucking sport, and certainly a penalty shootouts as well. I mean, think about the second penalty. Dybala does a shit version uh. of a Danny Ings penalty. And it still goes in. It goes in two inches off the ground, slightly off centre, to the side Lloris has moved to. <laughs> Head down the whole way, hoping Lloris isn't still there when he last saw him. I mean, he was hoping Hugo Lloris had moved when all the evidence we have from this penalty shootout and the game is that Hugo Lloris can't move. <laughs> yeah, he actually, well, it was impressive that he got so far out of the way of that penalty. And like, the, the the Bala one was obvious. There was two penalties where I knew... Well, I also knew that Martinez was going to save Kingsley Comans, but I knew the Bala was going to do that because I couldn't believe... I was like, oh, I can't believe they're bringing him on. He had a penalty. He's going to miss. And the only way he would not miss is the keeper does something shit. And the four fronts penalty. So Martinez does deserve one minus in the minus column. Like, it, I thought it was obvious that the... Because Martinez had won this penalty shootout, like he, he was controlling that box. And it was so obvious the next France player was thinking, fuck this. Like, I <laughs> just hit this down the middle. Like, we are, like, we've just missed two in a row. The last person's hit it fucking wide. I'm just hitting this and hope that the gods are, are on my side this time. And I, I, what a perfect penalty shootout that would have been if Martinez just stood there having, <laughs> having saved one, having psyched another guy out to hit it off target, and then just stood up and read the other guy like a book and won the World Cup for, for Argentina as well. Yeah, it would have been incredible. And it's what he tried to do in the Netherlands game as well. He saved the two penalties and then he didn't. And then he stood up. He stood up for the next one as well, thinking it was going to go down the middle. Ah, look, 
he had a good World Cup, I suppose, in the <laughs> round, so we can't really have too too much of a go at him. Lloris, we can continue to have a go at him, though. I mean, Paredes' <laughs> penalty is at least, at least a yard and a half from the post. I mean, it's almost <laughs> exactly between Lloris and the post, which, based on Dybala's penalty, you'd have to say maybe Paredes was being needlessly cautious, bothering it to put it two yards to Lloris's right. But Lloris drops on it, and his hand, his fucking little lettuce hand, can't keep it out. It's the fucking World Cup final. Tighten up your wrist. And then fucking Hugo Lloris, the fucking genius, son of a lawyer and Monte Carlo banker, born with a what actually must have been a mercury spoon in his mouth, watches 18th place Sevilla's second choice right back come up to take a penalty to win the World Cup. And what does Lloris do? He dives to his fucking left. The son of a Monte Carlo banker gambles that a non-consequential footballer standing over the most consequential kick in the sport is going to open up his body and whip it across into the side netting. I'm laughing because it's funny and I'm also laughing because I wanted once again try to take us back to Emmy Martinez, but <laughs> <laughs> Colin, I, I am I am in the you know essentially talking about Emmy Martinez here by contrasting him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's just one thing I wanted to talk about, like, and you've mentioned this save against Australia, 97 minutes. That would that would have tied the game. You still fancy that would have went to penalties, and Argentina would have won anyway. But <laughs> yeah, if I won in the final, like it's sitting up on the half volley for like. It's it's thirteen seconds past the third minute of three minutes added on the hundred and twentieth minutes was the hundred and twenty fourth minute now at this stage, and I saw somebody like and they were giving him credit, but I actually think they were doing him a disservice. They, they compared it to Peter Schmeichel, make yourself as big as possible. Like they were almost comparing it to the Ming Spider, but it wasn't. It wasn't that. It was. It was Emmy Martin as a game playing mind games. Then like I, he covered one side. His angles were brilliant. He covered one side, so that shot couldn't be pulled across, and I said. Go on, there you go. There's the gap, and then he knew, like he knew once he saw it winding up, like that's where it's going, and he fucking flung himself then in the middle of it. He he directed where he wanted that ball to go, and then he had the skill and the agility to save it. Then it was honestly, and then you bring the context into it as well. It's not hyperbole. It's one of the greatest saves you'll ever see. Yeah, it, it certainly is. It's an it's an incredible save, and the context in it does absolutely elevate it to that level. And he's Aston Villa's cunt, and it's absolutely, absolutely delightful that he's there. Well, we can say that he is better than Hugo Lloris, though, which which makes it strange because I'm seeing a lot of links now. Emmy Martinez linked with Tottenham Hotspur. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> People were telling me that Hugo Lloris was actually a good keeper. Spurs fans tell me that. France tells me that all the time. 124 caps, 100 dick, like the amount of times he was captain as well. Over 80% of them, I think. Um <sighs> I, I just can't understand why they'd be looking for an all keeper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe, it's because, maybe it's because Hugo Lloris isn't that good. Like I heard Philip Beauclair, who was having such a good tournament. He was, he was showing up, a great journalist, showing up on all these different podcasts. Um, and then got to the got to the big time then. And he, I suppose his patriotism was starting to let him down a little bit then. Maybe the way people would listen to us from an Aston Villa point of view. But yeah, he just sort of went all in on France. He, he said that Argentina don't really have a chance against them. Um, and he got a bit wound up after the semi-final. Just out of nowhere, really. He just started going off on a tangent about Hugo Lloris not getting respect. And, and once again, he has to prove himself. I don't understand how many times this boy has to prove himself, but he does it every time. And I was thinking, Hugo Lloris? 
Are we thinking about the same person? There's a reason he has to prove himself because whilst you might think he proves himself, he turns back around and fucks it up again the next time. Like it's not. You might. You might no longer be suspended from driving, but if you go out and drink and drive and speed and do all sorts of fucking shit, you're going to get the license taken back off you again. And that's Hugo Lloris. He's going back and forward, back and forward, back and forward. He might make a good save every once and again. And then, like the World Cup final, he might do absolutely fucking nothing. Like, nothing. But yeah, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the best thing that Hugo Lloris did during the World Cup final was be really polite to a guy who's had a great career and let Angel Di Maria get on to Alexi McAllister slightly overhead through ball. I mean, that was a great goal. But Lloris is just watching him, watching him, watching 35-year-old Angel Di Maria fucking dwaddle in from the left wing. <laughs> Go and get the fucking ball. And if you don't get there, you're going to be right on his toes anyway. What are you doing, yeah, we'll probably see a lot of links now because of his agent, I suppose, as well. He's going to try and get Emmy Martin as more money. But we'll see a lot of links with him now over the next whatever amount of months. Um, I can safely say that it won't be the Spurs because they're set. They've already got a, a word of <laughs> <laughs> The Vyman meter, um, going down. We'll do going down and up at the same time here for, for the first two. Going down is Declan Rice. Um, well, Declan Rice's left foot, really. Declan Rice had a decent tournament, but... um. I don't know if you saw the video of him and Jack Grealish doing keepy-ups over a pool. And it's bizarre. Declan Rice doesn't use his left foot once. It's like you're playing keepy-ups with somebody who's never played football before. You know, they just get it onto the foot that they're most comfortable with. And in fairness, it keeps it under control. He gets it back to Jack Grealish, which is admirable. He gets it back over the pool, back onto Grealish's vicinity anyway. <laughs> I'm Grealish as we're all going straight to Declan Rice's right foot. But it just looks so awkward, like the way he couldn't get it onto his left foot at any stage in this process. And then the the going up part of this is for Jack Grealish for his little home alone trip around New York. I don't know if anybody's following Jack Grealish on Instagram, but uh, I don't know. It warmed the heart. He went out and he he did a, it. It was like a proper tourist, really. Like just like just like just like the rest of us. And he went <laughs> off and he just visited all the all the scenes of, of Home Alone 2. <laughs> it was the most Jack Grealish thing ever, except he wasn't pissed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just to take it back to football for a second. <laughs> your your hero, Declan Rice, somehow manages to be both, both quite good at football and the most overrated outfield footballer in Europe. I mean, he's, he's just not that good, Conan. I mean, I know you've fallen for it. I know you've fallen for the hype. I know you've fallen for the English media stance on him. But stand up. When you walk with me, Conan, I'll help you back on your feet. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, maybe, maybe I think I, I get more besotted with, uh, you know, a big... He's like a big horse, isn't he? Like, you know, people who... He's he he at their midfield, though, Conan. <laughs> I just don't like... I, I I actually I always rate people probably more highly like Dwight Gooding. No, <laughs> who play really well against you, but Declan Rice usually plays really well in any game. I don't want them to play well, and that includes England. You know, if I'm thinking, oh, I don't want England to maybe win this game because he got France and sweepstick. Like he, he cover, he just I don't know, he just covers the ground so well. Maybe maybe you expect more from a centre midfielder. Yeah, I expect him to have a left foot for a start, and <laughs> do you, like. 
he plays good in games you don't want him to to do well in. I mean, like he wasn't particularly good against France. He was quite he was quite good. I mean, England absolutely dominated that game. France were France were terrible, and Declan Rice definitely had a part in it. But it wasn't really about Declan Rice. It was more about France's passivity themselves. And the other games he does well in is playing against a two man midfield of Douglas Louise and John McGinn. <laughs> I mean, this is the, this is the standard you're holding Declan Rice to. <laughs> but like, think how easily he just strides by. It's it's like he could actually strides by John McGinn and Douglas Louise. Yeah, exactly. It's like he could step over their heads. Like, oh. if you, <laughs> of Declan Rice now in your head. Like, I'm thinking, what what what's that uh, fantasy creature where it's a horse and a man's body? It's, it's got it's got <laughs> unitard. Is that what it is? And he's just you, you, you could just. He could just gallop over the top of these two little like runts, like little runts puppies in the middle. Like you know, it wouldn't even be a fleck on his radar. Well, maybe that's the difference between me and you. I'd rather play a minotaur at right back, whereas you'd have them in centre midfield. <laughs> a minotaur. What did I say? Unitard. Edit that out. Uh, <laughs> um, England sort of par for the course, really. I mean, they did it all right. Did all right again and played a, a decent team and lost. Like they played better against that decent team. I would say that in the third tournament now under Southgate. I don't know. Like yeah, yeah. I, I think they are they are going to win someone at some stage. That's the thing. They are good. Um, but they need to they need to get over the seat. I think there is a caveat with with France playing badly and England playing well, and that France always play badly. <laughs> France always play badly and do what they want to do. But also, they were in the lead for most of that game, and just, I don't know, it was probably going exactly the way they wanted it to go. Yeah, I think there's a question here, but has has any England team in our lifetime ever looked greater than the sum of its parts? You know, has, has any England manager ever made a single player look better for their country than they do for their club? I mean, maybe... Maybe Southgate's getting a slightly better tune out of Harry Maguire, which isn't something I'd be putting on my CV, seeing as he looks like a fucking dreidel made out of jelly when he's playing for Man United. <laughs> so so maybe maybe there's something deeper in the English psyche that's holding the players back, and it's more likely it's something in the dugout that's holding them back. But you yeah. know, maybe there maybe there is something in the psyche of the English fans, media and pundits as well, that expect too much from these players that has them overhyped. But for that to be true, we'd have to believe that Klopp, Guardiola and Tuchel are all English as well because they rate these players. <laughs> and I, I think I think the players in the squad in a general sense is overhyped. I mean, the goalkeeper and the centre-halves are terrible and the back, backups are somehow worse. And your, your hero, Declan Rice, despite you describing him as a horse, he isn't really at the races at, as a centre-midfielder either. <laughs> but however, Conan... Going down on the vitamin meter is definitely international football. <laughs> what? Because, because as I keep saying, international football is fucking shit. I mean, the, the entertainment the entertainment from it is undoubtedly good, but the quality, I mean, Italy are the European champions. The, their goalkeeper, their 40-year-old centre-halves, and Verratti are their only top-class players. <laughs> Spinazzola, with a decent career behind him, happened to be having the best run of games of his life. The absolute dream stuff. He was their best player in that tournament, and he got injured in the round of sixteen. They got Argentina's best players in the final were Di Maria and Messi. Amazing footballers, obviously, but they're thirty-five. And the first sub was Latoro Martinez. I mean, if we can add him into the Osmani Dembele and the Alan Saint Maximum category of players who must be absolutely electric, that would explain Martinez's hair as well. Who must be absolutely electric when I'm not watching them. <laughs> To justify everyone else in the world not agreeing with me that they're fucking shite. <laughs> yeah, like the quality definitely isn't as good. Uh, 
of course, yeah, a lot of the games are more boring. Are they? Are, are they particularly more boring than the other? And I think even when they are more boring, there's just more at stake and they care more and, they, and it means more and there's more identity to it as well because they're all playing for their countries. And, and usually when we are watching international football as well, it's just always going somewhere. It's always a cup or it's always a qualification. That's just fucking 38 games. Let's change the Premier League. Let's get rid of that. Let's turn into <laughs> cup competition. I like it. Like, I, the World Cup is good. I'm not saying the World Cup is a fucking <laughs> a great spectacle. What I'm saying is all the top players in the world come from Spain, France, Germany, Portugal, England, and Brazil. But they can only bring 26 players to the tournament. Yeah. So there are hundreds of top-class players not playing international football. I mean, unfortunately for Spain, all their players are midfielders and they're relying on... Almo, Asensio, and fucking Morata to score their goals. I mean, there must be something going on in the German dressing room. I don't know what that's about. And Portugal are full of players, but they're being led by Bruno Fernandes, who's running around crying at the ref and then slipping on his own fucking tears and claiming he was fouled. <laughs> Brazil, again, a bit overhyped, but a really, really strong squad. And they just didn't do enough. Like There was no urgency in any of their games. They just seemed like they were waiting to score as opposed to just going out and scoring. France then are ridiculous. I mean, they didn't have Kempembe. Lucas Hernandez was injured in the first game. Ferdinand Mende, Kante, Kamara, even Pogba and Kunku. Benzema, even Martial. I mean, I think all we're missing there is a right-back for a team that would actually challenge for the World Cup. So you'd have to have sympathy for Southgate for losing to France. But there, there's probably two things that would stop you having too much sympathy for him. And the first thing is that it keeps happening. I mean, every time it matters against a top nation in the knockout phase. They beat Germany, but Germany's Germany's last three tournaments were a group stage exit, losing to England, having lost to Spain 6-1 in the build-up and also lost to Macedonia in the build-up to the competition, <laughs> and then another group stage exit. So that's, that's his best knockout performance is beating that team. And then the second thing that you'd have to hold against Southgate is that Italy and Argentina are the world and European champions. Yeah. Yeah. That's well put. The only other person I have gone down on the Vyman meter. And it hurts me to do it, but it's Tim Sherwood. There's a great headline, in fairness, as much as this pains me as well. Fans want Tim Sherwood banned from football after huge howler. <laughs> there he is, Tim Sherwood, supposed to be analysing a game for Sky. And he's looking at the press in a QPR game, and he is... He is apoplectic that a penalty hasn't been given here. And then he realizes that the foul has been given for Preston. And he's it's going to be a penalty now. It's going to be a penalty. Like the referee has given it. He's finally seen it. And Clinton Morrison has to come in and say, that's the defense. They're playing the other way. <laughs> Preston. <laughs> the Preston player has been fouled in his own box. It's a free kick in their own box. I don't know if that shows you that somebody has been doing his job or not. I imagine in this day and age, Sky would just be like, that was fucking brilliant, Tim. That was great, you know. I don't, you know here I am talking about it now as well, but I don't know. There has to be a bar somewhere, doesn't there? Like, this boy was a Premier League manager for two different clubs. He, he doesn't know what way the team he's analysing is shooting. He doesn't know what direction they're playing in. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, Tim Sherwood... Has a much reduced role, but he has continued to have a role in football after signing Julian Lescott. So it just seems like this guy's a little bit bulletproof. I don't know, I don't know how he keeps getting away with it, but I'm sure he'll bounce back from this one as well. Yeah. 
Tim Sherwood is still the holder of one of the greatest quotes ever. Like, he talked about being booed at Blackburn. I've probably already mentioned this before. But um, he turned to him, maybe David Batty or somebody was on that team with him. And somebody had pointed out that he was being booed when his name was read out over the PA system. And he said, that's all right. I'll make more mistakes today, more times than you'll get on the ball. And you know I love that sort of stuff. Like, you know, that's 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 Tim Sherwood. That's that's somebody taking responsibility. That's somebody shaving their head and saying, give me that ball back again. I'm ready to go. Like, you know. um, but there is someone about that as well, somebody who will keep showing for the ball. Yeah, someone who'll get on the ball in the centre of the park and not have a left foot so then make a mistake. <laughs> All right, last one question we can't answer, but probably will. A uh, very straightforward one. But have you figured out yet if Marcus Taram and Kolo Moani are good players? <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't seen much of them before this tournament. And then the final... <sighs> I was going to say the final, they lit it up. I don't know if they did. They were really fucking pissing me off for a while there as well. And then... I think I concluded from that game anyway, there were a lot of fun, a lot of fun, a lot of energy. But then I was thinking, do you know what? Somebody's probably seen Bertrand Trurori, Amwar El Ghazi do this sort of thing as well. And they could have come away having watched one game of those two and thought, good fucking players, those boys. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm very nervous about committing. When I when I was watching Taram, I was I was reminded of the time broadcasting legend Bill O'Hurley said to broadcasting bollocks Eamon Dunphy, uh, <laughs> "You're a, you're a fan of Olivier Giroud, aren't you?" And then Dunphy replied, "I am, Bill, in a curious sort of a way." <laughs> <laughs> like, is Marcus Taram good? I don't know, Conan. Did he look good? <laughs> Did he impact the games when he came on? <laughs> <laughs> Like one of, one of the strangest things about this tournament was Ousmane Dembele's name reappearing on the French team sheet game after game. I mean, the only thing that was perhaps stranger was you texting me mid-tournament to tell me he was the most dangerous wide player on the planet. Why are you like, I'm, par- I'm paraphrasing, but that was the gist of it. But, <laughs> but he, he had done absolutely nothing to justify it in his previous outing to get back All right, the we team. get it. Go on, move on. <laughs> Like all he had ever justified was raising questions about how he was even in Qatar, never mind on the pitch, and raising questions about your cognitive ability as well. Obviously, <laughs> and that would really make you question the talent of Mueni. <laughs> the, the, the talent of Mueni that he couldn't force his way into the team, and you know how quickly I'll write off a twenty-four-year-old forward, Conan. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing you love more. <laughs> Yeah, maybe like maybe we should create a new category here, um, or something that could go to sort of WhatsApp winges or down to WhatsApp winges or something like that. Because we we do text each other this stuff, and it's it's it's. I don't text anything like that. Yeah, no, it's it's along the lines of, should we just sign him just in case? <laughs> <laughs> just in case it turns out to be good, like it's not our money. We don't need to worry about it. Like, should, maybe I'm going to bring Marcus Turam anyway into the just in case pile. I think we should sign him just in case it turns out he is a fucking world beater. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were texting me during it saying he's better in the air than Olivier Giroud. He's certainly a lot fucking better on the ground as well. But <laughs> what, what what I would say about Moeni is my respect fucking absolutely grew for him after he buried his penalty and not just because he was up against Demi Martinez. As you know, Conan, penalties are 80% psychology, 20% technique and 0% luck. I mean, if you're ever talking to someone about football and they say a penalty shooter, there's a lottery. Stop talking to them about football. <laughs> but 
Moeni had missed the most important shot of his life, and five minutes later he was walking up to take the second most important shot of his life. That's fucking. That's mental strength. That's bollocks. Yeah, yeah. All he needs now is a shaved head, and he's ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thanks a million for listening uh, it's good to be back um, please I was going to say please do listen but you've already listened for an hour just days now so there's no <laughs> point in saying please do listen please share it on um, to somebody who might be out of the groove of the Villa podcast or uh, listen to Villa let's know there's loads of Ireland Stephen Kenny chat there as well. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be interested in um, nothing else to say but wish you a very Merry Christmas uh, we'll be back to review the Robin Olsen game against Liverpool. <laughs> I really hope not. I really hope we just bring... Let, let Emmy Martinez show up on the day, whatever time he wants, make his own way there. He can be pissed if he wants. I don't care. Just play Emmy Martinez, whatever we can do. Um, maybe Jan Benrack will get a game as well. Who knows? <laughs> but thanks a million for listening, and I hope you enjoy your time over Christmas. All the best. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.